With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, what up? Welcome in. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is all ball, all basketball, all the time. Although... Sometimes, as you know, we divert some, right? We we want to just get you great stories. And if we can talk some hoop, talk some hoop. My guest on this podcast, um, you're going to be blown away by the story. His name is Chase Friedman. And um, Chase uh, is in his mid-20s. And two years ago on New Year's Eve, he was paralyzed. They was, He was told he'd never walk again he can run now he'll tell you the whole story and uh, you you just you do not want to miss it don't want to miss it at all um let's get to a couple of the stories of the week i mean i i do think that we're still kind of reeling from the Ime Udoka story and i think it's interesting why did brad stevens pass on hiring Damon Stoudemire, who many people thought was the number two assistant last year to Will Will Hardy, was the number one assistant. Of course, Damon Stoudemire was a star in the league. He's been a head coach at the University of Pacific. I think it's interesting that he was bypassed. And maybe he turned down the opportunity out of his loyalty to Ime. I'm not not sure. But what happens with the Celtics is fascinating. Really is fascinating. Um, I I also thought that Russell Russell Wilson, Russell Westbrook, and his, well, you know, I'm just going to play hard even if they don't want me here. Just don't be a martyr. Don't be a victim in this thing. You didn't have a good year. You didn't You didn't blend well. The only reason you're there is because you have this gargantuan contract. Just be a good employee. Hey, man, whatever Darwin needs, I'm going to do. That's it. The last part is people are, are freaking out over Steve Nash's, hey, ben, ben Simmons doesn't have to shoot a shot to be great for us. And I know what you're thinking. Uh, one, if you're most people listen to this pod or basketball people, you're like, I, I kind of get it, right? That you can dominate a game without taking a shot or making a shot. I agree with that. Billy Donovan, of course, famously says 95% of the game is played without the basketball. And probably not as high a percentage nowadays as you had dominant ball handlers, but the point is well taken. There's so many things you can do to help your team win that don't revolve around shooting jump shots. But if you don't see it, if you don't get the subtle nuance to it, it's it, you're gonna it's just gonna be lost to you, absolutely lost to you. So I think I see it. I think I get it. What Nash is saying, which is, hey, whatever we just Ben Simmons just he plays defense. He can guard four or five positions. Offensively, we can play him in the dunker. We can have him as our point guard. We can have him be a power forward and a screener, maybe even a point center. I, I do think though that the and this is just from personal experience. I think any Maz track. Okay, so most of you guys know his brother Mark, who I think just retired at USC as their head coach after last season. And Maz has been a he's been a coach all over. He coached me in the ABA and he was the one who kind of 
Um, and my dad did this too, but it was, you know, it's hard. And when it's your dad, it's different. Uh, but he was the one who kind of figured me out. And I think this is what they need to do with Ben Simmons, which is if he turns down an open rhythm shot, that's his shot. He needs to come out. Whereas most players, you take them out when they start taking bad shots. You got to take Ben Simmons out when he turns down good shots. Can you dominate a game without taking a shot? Absolutely. But in order for Brooklyn to get the best out of Ben Simmons, to get the best out of uh, Kyrie Irving, to get the best out of Kevin Durant, he's got to be willing to take. You can't even make him if you're not willing to take him. And I think the way to do that is to take him out when he turns down open shots. Wide open, his range, his rhythm. All right, let's get to... This is my. This is me catching up with Chase Friedman. Follow him on social media. He's become TikTok famous as well. Wait to hear the story. So, uh, Chase, I, I I know your story, or at least parts of your story, uh, but I don't know if, especially America and my listeners, know your story. Okay, so when you had your accident, how old were you? Twenty five. 25 years old. Mm-hmm. Where would you graduate college? I, I went to Whitman College in Washington State. Okay. So you go to Whitman College, study what? Mm-hmm. Film and media studies. With the idea of doing what? Uh, working in entertainment, which is what I've been doing. Okay. So, um, so you get done, you graduate, you're 22? 22 when I graduate, yeah. Moved, move out to LA, start working in Hollywood. So you're living in Hollywood, you're, you're 22 years old. Fast forward to your 25. Mm-hmm. And you go out one night, where'd you guys go? Well, what would happened was it's 2020, it's COVID. And I'm like in my apartment all year working. Every assistant in the department got fired except me. So I was working day in and day out for the entire department. And then my buddy in Philadelphia says, hey, come fly out here. Um come fly out here for a new year's party. And I was like, ah, COVID, I don't think it's a good idea. And he's like, oh, we all just got over COVID. So you won't get it. You should come. You deserve it. And I was like, so this, this I deserve is where? It. Philadelphia. Okay. So Philly. Okay. So, so I fly. Who, 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 wait, who's this? Who are these friends? Uh, he was on the tennis team with me in college. We, we, we played tennis together there. And had you, had you traveled during COVID at all? Like, is this your first no. time? Yeah. Okay. So you, you fly LA to Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Okay. You land. What time of day is it? I, I don't know. I landed a couple days before just, just spending some time. Uh, Philadelphia was more open than LA. So we could like go to restaurants outside. It was so nice. And then uh, he has this big new year's party and I meet a girl there and she invites me back to her apartment and her friends came over too. Um, and then about like at 7 a.m. the next morning, I just get up. Okay, so wait, to... so, so wait, before you get to that, okay, <laughs> I love the details of the granular details of the story. Okay. okay. So you go back to this girl's place. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who you never met before. What's her name? Uh, I'd, I'd rather not say, because I'm about okay. to say some bad things about her. Okay, that, that's, that's fine. Okay, yeah. so you go back to this girl's apartment, friend's there. You guys are drinking, right? We're drinking a bit. Yeah. Okay. Like how, 
What level honestly, of- honestly, not that much. It was not like an absurd amount of alcohol. It was just, it was just a good time. We were like doing dumb stuff. Like we were playing Mario Kart, me and her friends. Like we were just having some drinks. There was a bit of weed. It, yeah. No, nothing like a chill New Year's Eve, right? Yeah. You yeah. shut it down about when? What time? Not time in the morning. Late, show. late. It was like 2 a.m. I ended okay. up just crashing on the couch there. Okay, so 7 a.m. you get up in the morning, right? Get up. Did you know where you were? Yeah, I knew I was at this person's okay. house. I mean, like, I mean you know, it's like, yeah. it's like four, you're like, oh, yeah. okay. So uh, then what happened? I get up. I'm like half asleep. I just got to pee. I walk over to the bathroom. Next thing you know, blackout. I wake up what we think was like 30 seconds later, all the girls are around me and uh, I don't know who they are. I don't know where I am at this point. They're just freaking out. And what happened was I tripped, my head hit the countertop of the sink and I had my head snapped back. And uh, when I woke up, I was paralyzed under my shoulders. Um. So, and, so you said, but but you said your friend these these girls are freaking out. Okay, yeah. so and you said it was thirty seconds, but obviously you lost track of time. Yeah. Right. So why were they freaking out? I, I hit my face. My face was all cut up. There was okay. blood coming down, and uh, I couldn't get up. Did you hear a and, crack or anything? Did you hear like no? Because I I, I don't remember actually making contact. I I okay. had a concussion. I I was knocked out. Um. And then I remember them saying, like, you got to get up, you got to get up. And I'm like, I'm trying. And then I feel like the slightest bit of sensation in my leg. And I'm like, are you touching me? She's like, yeah, I'm shaking your leg. Can you not feel this? And that's when I realized, like, something was very, very wrong. Um, I couldn't move. And that's where I'm about to talk bad about the girl. She, uh, the, the two friends said, we need to call an ambulance. And the girl whose place it was said, we can't call an ambulance. Um, there's uh, cause there, there were illegal substances at her apartment. She got drugs in the apartment, but she's more concerned about the drugs than she is the fact that you're paralyzed. She said that she's an attorney and that if they find it at her apartment, she'll lose her license to be an attorney, which is like not even true. There's the angel guardian angel law or whatever it's called. Um, so I'm so just she's a bad there. attorney. She's a, a terrible friend. attorney. The worst. The worst. She's an absolute I'm idiot. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not laughing at your story. Please. I'm just. No, it, it's funny. It's funny how insane the whole thing is. Um, so she wouldn't call an ambulance. Uh, so now her like friends are coaching me through what I need to say t- to them. And I'm just I'm concussed. I'm confused. I don't know what's going on. Eventually, an ambulance does come. And when how long they asked, when they asked how long I'd been there, they said 45 minutes. So it, it was a very scary 45 minutes. It felt a lot longer to me. But um, luckily, later on, I asked the doctor if, if it would have made a difference if it was called earlier. And he said no. So that's, that's how I get past this. Okay. So, so give me the real. So like all this going on, they put you on a gurney. Mm-hmm. What are you thinking? I'm just terrified because I have no knowledge of like, spinal cord injuries, par- par- being paralyzed. I, I don't know anything about it. I don't know if there's rehab. I don't, 
I don't know if I'm about to get better within a couple of days. I I'm, I'm just clueless about what's going on. Um, and just, and just frightened. Like the thoughts are going in my head. Like, am I just going to be ahead the rest of my life? Um, so they wheel me in, they start doing tests. Like the MRI was, the MRI was one of the worst parts. It was two hours long. Wait, 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 before you, before you get to that, yeah. so you get to the hospital, right? Get to the hospital. Okay. And again, I've never been on a gurney, but I get, I'm just visualizing that they got you in like a neck thing, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So, you can't yeah. Move. so you're scared. You're also in a place that you don't live. So it's not like you call your folks and be like, Hey, come down or any yeah. of your like, friend. What about your friends from your buddy who you went to Whitman with? Yeah. Uh, um, so funny, funny thing, uh, when they did check me in, they did a nose swab and they said, sir, you have COVID. So, <laughs> so now I can't, <laughs> so now I can't even see anyone. Um, it was a, it was a tough situation <laughs> mentally. So, so you're, you're wheeling down the hall at some point, like a, does a doctor say something to you? Do a nurse, like who's talking to you in, during this time? So yeah, as they're wheeling me down, it actually felt like, you know, in the movies when they do the POV of someone getting wheeled down, you see all the yeah. lights. Yeah. That's what, that's, that's what it felt like. But it was a lot of the nurses saying like, you're in good hands. Jefferson is one of the best spinal cord hospitals in the country, which actually did make me feel a bit, a bit better about it. And I got a great doctor. Um, so yeah, they they say we're gonna do these tests, uh, and then the following day they said we but, need but to no, do. But like, are you you know like again? I, I, I'm, I'm afraid, and I want to die. I like at this point, I'm like I I don't think I want to live the rest of my life. Right. Nobody wants to live the life the rest of life in the wheelchair. Somebody feeding them with a spoon, right? Like that just doesn't feel like living. You know. Exactly. Um, so like, is there one nurse? Because I've always you talked about the point of view. Like, again, you're looking up and, and there's all these random faces. So you're like, hey, just I just just one doctor, one somebody who I can tell me your name. So I like or or is it? It was a bunch you, of different people coming in and even, out. It had to be even scarier. I, I wasn't even focused on that. I was just focused on on me. Like, I, I want to die. Like, I, I don't I don't want to live. I've been an athlete my whole life. You know, I played tennis from as young as I can remember. And I ended up playing at the college level and I still play. Like I can't, I, I couldn't comprehend just spending the rest of my life unable to move. So at, at what point was there a prognosis? You said the MRI was the worst. So they wheel you into the MRI. Mm -hmm. right? And at what point was there a prognosis? Um, I think it was, it was after the MRI, they said, you know, you've injured your spinal cord from C4 to C7, which is all stuff. I, I don't know what this means. Um, they say that, uh, they're going to have to do surgery and put in some, uh, screws and rods in my neck to stabilize it. And, uh, they're going to do the surgery and they didn't really say what would happen to me at that point. It was just like, we need to do the surgery. And, uh, when they wheeled me in, one thing I remember was making eye contact with the anesthesiologist and just thinking to myself, I hope you have no idea what you're doing you mess up and I never wake up from this. But, um, but I did wake up. And then I remember when they were wheeling me out of it for the first time, cause, cause my shoulders worked, they were like really weak, but they worked. But if I had my arm parallel with the ground, I could bend my elbow just slightly, which means my bicep was working just 
a little just a little bit so i was like okay something something worked something's changed and that's when they sat me down and they said you know you're paralyzed um we don't exactly know what's going to happen you're you're going to spend the rest of your life in a wheelchair but we want to send you to rehab and there's a chance you can recover some of your movement and the only thing i heard at that point was you can recover and i was like i'm going to make a full recovery i'm going to be wait, wait, the so Michael. They, they told you you're not they told you you're going to spend no they said they said you could they said you could gain some movement back but the only thing i heard was you can recover and i was just like i'm going to do this fox sports radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so... There's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday... You can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is January 1st, 2021. This was on the 2nd now. They did the surgery the second day. So, I mean, this is a, this is a question that I, I'm wondering. Did you Can you sleep? Like, what is it? I mean, I guess there's probably medication or whatever. But yeah, like I was January 1st, you're in the hospital and you're going in for surgery the next day on your neck and you're paralyzed and you think you'll never walk again. And you have said you kind of at this point in the scene before the surgery, when you kind of wanted to not wake up from the anesthesia. What what is that? What is it like to be in a hotel a hospital room all alone with covid with a broken neck? And all these things, like what, what is, what is that like? It's absolutely terrifying, but not as terrifying as the calls I had to make. Like I, I was laying there and the nurses would hold the phone as I'm like talking to my grandparents who, and saying like, look, I, as soon as I called them, they answer the phone together. Happy new year wishing you a lovely new year. And I'm just like, uh, uh, before you get to that, like, I, can you sit down? I, I told everyone like, please sit down. Cause I have some like tough news. And I almost cried, like telling it. And I had to call my boss. I had to call my mom. 
I had to call my friends and it who, was, who was your, who was your first call? The first call was my grandparents. Why them first? They, they raised me, uh, okay. them and my mom. Okay. Together. So you call your, your grandparents. What, what do you call them? Granny and Gramps. What'd they say when you told them? I try immediately. I was like, Oh, like, it's going to be, everything's going to be fine. Uh, the first thing my grandpa said was, were you drinking? Uh, <laughs> not, not the best comment to make. Uh, well, I mean, you can't control like, you know, your, your grandpa, you know, are you drinking? Yeah. yeah. And I mean, God, that's just excruciating. Yeah. Excruciating. What'd your mom say? I don't even, I, I was like, I was blanked out. I was in such like shock and, and just being able to get the words out of my mouth was, was a lot on me. I, I don't even remember what they were saying. I was just so mentally like in a fog. Was there ever, was there somebody that you forgot to call that you're like, like a couple months later, you're like, Oh, I forgot to tell you I'm paralyzed. I, I, I told, I told my mom, she's like, who should I call? Should I call this person and that person? And I, I just, I, I had her do most of it because those calls were one of the most difficult things for me to do. Oh, gotta be like impossible. I mean, yeah. like, I can't gut wrenching. Yeah. Um, okay. So you come out of surgery and you hear them say you could recover, right? That's what that, mm -hmm. um, how long did you remain in that hospital before you started doing some rehab? I was there for just over two weeks. And, uh, now did your buddies, your buddy who you went to college with, did he come to see you? What was, was his support like? So they couldn't, um, because of COVID. Because of COVID? Uh, but I remember he told me he, he had like texted and called me and I wasn't responding. So he thought I was mad at him. Like a lot of people were like, why isn't he responding? No, a lot of people didn't understand the degree of my injury. Um, like once a day I would have the nurse hold my phone and I would go through texts and try to respond and, try to call people but my family wanted to facetime me but i wouldn't facetime them for the first like week because my face was so cut up uh and it, it swelling because i fell face down i wanted to let it heal a bit before they saw me to so they didn't freak out um your first rehab center where'd you go i went to mcgee in philadelphia i was lucky that you know if if something bad like this were to happen, I, it happened in the right place because Jefferson was one of the best hospitals and McGee is one of the top um, spinal cord re rehabilitation centers in the country. So what, when you get to McGee, what did they, because the, because the doctors have experience in it, but the people at McGee have a ton of experience in it. What'd mm -hmm. they tell you? They didn't really say anything for sure. They're like, what are your goals? And then I gave them the most absurd goals they've ever heard. And they looked at me like, okay, like let's, let's try for it. And, uh, I, I really, I seriously became a crazy person and, uh, they, they were okay with it. They were like, let's, let's, let's shoot for the moon. If he wants to do it, let's do it. So when you say, when you say, uh, you became a crazy person, like you did rehab how many times a day? Uh, twice twice uh hour and a half For the early early days what is that like see the way i approached it was i approached it like it was any workout you know i've done a million workouts i was like i was gonna i'm gonna get in here and i'm gonna give it absolutely everything as soon, if i 
finished rehab and I was still like had energy in me, I'd be upset that I didn't give it my all. So I was like, I'm going to give it absolutely everything. I'm going to stay as incredibly positive as I can. I'm going to do everything I can to recover from this. So, so when they say, so, so, okay. But you start with, you had a little in your biceps, right? Mm -hmm. What was the next sign of hope? So slowly in my bed, I was able to kind of flex my quads, just, it, it, it's hard to explain. Like I couldn't feel if you were like touching it, if someone were to squeeze it really hard, I could feel, but I could feel my muscle when I flexed it, that, that slow, that sensation slowly started to come as I was able to do it. I, I don't remember the exact day I, I felt it the first time, but my leg muscles were the first ones to come back specifically my quads. So I'm in bed, moving, moving it around, trying to like get any little bit of movement I can. Um, and because I had COVID, I couldn't go into the gym in the beginning. So Wait, help, help, help me out really quickly. Okay. Cause, cause again, I can only visualize this. I can't, and I'm trying to yeah. imagine. So I'm, I'm imagining you sitting there, like, it's like kind of trying to you ever try to use the force on something, right. Where nothing's happening. Yeah, that where you're, like you're just like staring at your legs and trying to make them mentally make them move or twitch or do something and nothing happens. Is that what it's like? Yes. Okay. So there's this there's this way to explain it. Um, put your fist on the table like this and lift your index finger. Right. It's lifting up. Now do it with your middle finger. It's lifting. Now do it with your ring finger. It's not lifting. Right. Yeah. It's like that. So you can feel the muscle trying to do something. In the beginning, I didn't even have that. Eventually, as time goes on, you can kind of feel the muscle flexing, but there's still just no movement because it's not even strong enough. And eventually, you can feel it and it moves. What's that feeling like when it moves? Bliss. The first time something moves. So one of the scariest things for me was all my muscles slowly started getting a little bit of movement except my fingers. Um, so about two and a half, three weeks in, my fingers were the only things not moving. And that was my first big major mental breakdown. I thought I'd never be able to feed myself, never use a computer or my phone ever again. And then um, the therapist came in and they're like, okay, calm down. Let's, let's go finger by finger and see what can move. And the very last finger, my thumb moved like that, um, like less than a millimeter. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, it moved. That means it's going to move more. That means the rest of my fingers are going to move. And that's when I like was stoked that I was going to be able to do my first goal, which was to flip everyone off. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to do this. And that's the thing about it. Every single time, whether it's a millimeter of movement, you got to take every win. You have to realize, even though it's just a little bit, it's a win and a little bit means more can come. Um, okay. This is kind of a personal question. Like you have a, a catheter this whole time. Yeah. Like at, at what point do you, did, were you able to feel there? So it actually, I think came a, lo a lot earlier than most people. Um, after about a month, like they left it in me, but I was like, I, I feel like I'm pushing it out on my own. 
Um, and they told me not to, but I was like, can we just try taking it out? And they said there was a test that they needed to do on me. They could only test me in two weeks. I said, no, I want it out now and came out and I had the opposite issue where I was, I was peeing every five minutes now. And after like a week, it, it would go from five minutes to like 10 minutes to an hour. And eventually it was fine. Um, I'll tell you something, switching out a catheter is the most uncomfortable feeling in the world. Cause I, I, by that point I had a, a bit of sensation feeling, down right? there. You was I was you, having, could you have done this before I had feeling? I know we cannot. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You mentioned your first mental breakdown. What was the second big breakdown? I, I really was just one or actually no, uh, second mental breakdown was, uh, actually, no, I was wrong. That was my second mental breakdown. My first mental breakdown was, so after all this happened, even though I was initially super depressed and scared, I never cried. And then after they told me I could recover a little bit and took it as I'm going to make a full recovery, I was super positive, but I never like let everything out until about a weekend, I was watching Fast and Furious 7. And most of the movie I'm laughing because the rock is like falling three stories and he just gets up and he's fine. And I'm like, I tripped in the bathroom and here I am. But the end of the movie, there's a memorial for Paul Walker. Um, yeah. And I cried so hard. I couldn't breathe. It was one of those, like, I, I couldn't even breathe. And for the next couple of days, every time I thought about it, I would start crying again. And it is very sad, the Paul Walker thing, but I don't have like any connection to well, Paul plus Walker. There's that Wiz Khalifa song though, too, that, you know, it's got it's the song. Exactly. Exactly. Booth and, and Wiz. I think, right? Yeah. And, uh, I think it was just an outlet for me, Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. And, and I just let everything out. So, yeah. Um, okay. The walking, how, how far in did you get to where, you, you thought I can, I can walk again. I can, this can happen. Yeah. So, so the very first week before I had like any movement, um, I told them, cause I was in Philly, um, that when I left the hospital, I was going to walk up the Rocky steps and th that's when they looked at each other and then they looked at me and they're like, you know, let's focus on, you know, moving your leg first or standing up first. I was like, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to walk up the steps. So when I got to the, the, the rehab center and they asked me my goals, I said, I'm going to walk up the steps. So from the day, like day one, um, we started practicing steps. And even though I couldn't move at that point, I would have like one arm around one therapist, one arm around the other, and they'd move my legs for me up, up the steps. And eventually we just kept working my quads, working my hips and, uh, using help to get my legs moving. But after practice and practice and practice, I, I started to get it. Um, I think I took my first steps, uh, regular steps on my own. Um, I think like halfway through February or the end of February. So wait, 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 you were paralyzed in January and you broke your neck. You had spine surgery and a month later you're, and they told you you would never walk again. And a yeah. month later, like a month and a half. So when the first step, is that when they're like holding you and you're like walking or is it like a real first step at that point? By that month and a half, that was with a walker. It was not a, like a, you know, normal step. It was but step, still. try not to fall, 
step try not to fall using my arms to hold hold my weight up as well but month and a half what's that feeling like absolutely incredible you know i i feel like a lot of the reason i was able to do it was i i like proving people wrong and i was like i'm gonna show you i'm, I'm gonna show everyone that that i can do this and uh you know i had so much support from my friends and family all behind me and just proving to myself that I could do it as well. It, it, it was the greatest feeling ever. And then how long till you walked without a walker? Um, I like, I had the ability to do it soon after, but I would always have a therapist there to make sure I didn't fall. So I used a walker up until about, uh, up until April, I was using mostly a wheelchair and I could get up in a walker and then I'd say in April, I switched from that to a cane full time. And then I used a cane until I'd say July, um, July, uh, July, August. And then I switched to uh, walking on my own. Did you, uh, did you do the, the Rocky steps? I did. So I got out of the rehab hospital on uh around mid-march and then the weekend after that um friends and family flew out from california and uh watched me go up the rocky steps and at that point i had been viral on tiktok so hundreds of locals showed up to watch and uh sylvester stallone saw the video and he called me the real life rocky and uh <laughs> TikTok and it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, that, that happened. That's that's exactly how it went down. And the, the the Rocky Steps was was crazy because initially, like it was me, my friends and family, and then I saw like two or three people that were like looking at me and I could tell they were like locals would come. But when I went up, um, so there's this thing called uh proprioception. And it's basically like, if you close your eyes and move your arm around, you still know where your arm is. But I didn't know where my legs were when I like would move it. I could feel the muscle working, but I didn't know if it was going straight or straight to the right or straight to the left, unless I saw it. So I start up these steps. I'm looking straight down, I'm super in the zone. I go up the first flight, go up the second flight. And then I look up and there are hundreds of people all there just like cheering me on and i was like holy shit like actually there was a pretty big turnout for this and uh very overwhelming but like i also felt the support of people and i went all the way up to the top and getting to the top and putting my arms up in the air and th there was like um street performers there before and they turned their music off they were playing the rocky theme they were playing eye of the tiger when i went up it was like so what are you it, thinking it, you're, up, you're up there and you're doing the, the Rocky thing, they're playing Eye of the Tiger, and you, you did it, right? I mean, I, granted, there's still work to be done, I know, but yeah. you, you did it. If you can think what, what actual thoughts were taking place. It, like pure bliss. Like, like I was so happy that not only I did it for myself, but I proved everyone wrong. My my friends and family flew out. They're all so proud of me. I've, I've made grandparents. Them proud. Grandparents were there. Grandparents like, yeah. were there. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it it was like honestly one of the greatest moments of my entire life. Um, if you were to 
and I'm sure I'm like I'm sure some of these all these questions have been asked, but they're just fascinating to me. Um, what's the secret to getting past those moments of doubt? Because a lot of us we have moments of doubt that are not real moments of doubt, right? Mm -hmm. It's just our own mind telling us. But you're fighting your body. Yeah. You're fighting, you know, your the doctors are telling you like these are real things. But again, it beats you up. There are betting that what what is this what is your secret? Not, not every secret is the same. What's your secret? So this is the way I saw it cuz you know when you're early days when you're paralyzed, you can't move. All you do is think about stuff and watch the office. I watched a lot of the office. So the way I saw it was they they make it clear that the first like six months is when the majority of the recovery happens. They say 90% of the recovery is the in the first six months, 10% is in the next six months. And then there's just slight changes from then on. I was like, whether or not I like, I believe I'm going to recover fully, but this, I, these are the most important six months of my life. I need to push myself as hard as I can, because if I don't, I will regret it, regret it for the rest of my life. Even if I don't fully recover, I want to be as best, the best I can possibly be. So I can spend the rest of my life living as able-bodied as possible. So every day it was work as hard as I can every day. It was fuck with the nurses, crack a joke, be grateful to be alive because the doctor did day one, tell me like, Oh, if I was in a, like a couple millimeters in another direction, I'd be dead. Just find everything to stay positive. Um, whether it's movies, I was watching the Rocky movies. I was watching TV shows, everything that inspired me. And one more thing I, I want to mention is so, so I told you after the second day, I was super positive. And then about a month in, the doubts kind of started coming in. Oh. And I, even though I worked just as hard in rehab, my mentality wasn't there. And I literally stopped recovering for a week. Then um, uh, Bert Kreischer, he's this comedian who I work with, got me in touch with an army vet named Scott Flansbaum, who had been paralyzed, neck down, and told he would never walk again. I spoke with this guy, and he fired me up, just like, you can do it. Like, they told me I'd never walk again, but here I am, and he was just firing me up. I was ready to jump out, out of my wheelchair and run through a wall. I got the mentality back, and then my body just started recovering again. So there's a, there's a, it, it, it goes hand in hand, right? Yeah. Where if mind says it, you can do it. If your mind says you can't do it, it ain't happening. Exactly. Amazing. That's it. That, that's amazing. Um, and it was weird because I'm like a science guy. You do the work, this happens. I, I, I've, I've said, I've, I've never like shut down the mentality stuff, but this proved it to me just dead on that you need to be there mentally for your body to respond to it. Okay, now you've watched every office episode, I'm sure, uh, front and back. Pam's kind of a bitch. I mean, let's just be honest. <laughs> I mean, she's supposed to be like America's sweetheart, but there's a lot of bad stuff there with Pam. She's, uh, she's a little overrated. Um, she, she, she's like shy and everyone loves her because she's shy, but she's got, a, she's got a little sass to her that no is funny sometimes, but sometimes you're like, really? Yeah. I, I yeah. kind of agree with you there. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, did you watch the British version of The Office? 
I did not. I'd, so they put the TV on Comedy Central, and I guess Comedy Central just runs the office in order from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m., or at least they did when I was in the hospital. Okay. okay. I would tell you you should watch the British versions. That's okay. Uh, I'll check it Rick, out. R- Ricky Gervais. Ricky mm-hmm. Gervais is the lead. I mean, he's ridiculous. He's so good. Um, yeah. So where are you now? Because I've seen videos now of you hiking and running. And it's it's close, but you'd be honest, it's not completely fluid mm-hmm. yet. Uh, where are you now in the in the process? So, um, I'd say on like flat ground, um, it's pretty much unnoticeable unless you know it's there. Like I've for the last couple of months, whenever I meet people, nobody realizes it until someone brings it up. Do you uh, want people going, to bring it up, or do you want people to just treat you like you? I would rather people not bring it up. Uh, okay. Because like, that's the point. Like I, I'm not working this hard so I can talk about it for the rest of my life. I'm working this hard so I can just get back to my life being normal. Um, but like on Hills, uh, it gets a little tough. I'm going on hikes because of the uneven ground. It's working the muscles in my legs that I'm not used to. Um, and going, going up and down stairs, I'm a little slower, but on flat ground, it's, it's pretty much unnoticeable. Mm. Who's a person who's you weren't that close to or as close to before who now you're very close to maybe because of how they were with you during this process? Not really any changes. I mean, everyone who's been really close with me and my family and friends have, have stayed close. Did your family, did your family and friends think you would walk in or do they think you were a fucking crazy person? I think they all thought I was a crazy person, but they were feeding into it. You know, uh, I think my grandparents believed because uh, they're also crazy people. And uh, but but my friends had well that that is the reason why my third goal actually happened. Um, Which is what? So, but the first week I was in the hospital, my friends were all, you know, they're all degenerates, and they text me saying, uh, Chase get better when you come back to California, I'll let you kick me in the balls. So, so recover. And so you can do that. And I was like, I bet (laughs) uh, I recovered way better than anyone expected. So I I made a video about how I'm training and I got the therapist to like, we were kicking soccer balls and kicking mats. And um, I, when I got home, I, I kicked him in the nuts and it was glorious. It was glorious. He was going to wear a cup, but he forgot one. And he was like, whatever, let's do it. The first time I kicked him, I accidentally missed him and hit him in the thigh. And he could have faked it. He could have, but he was like, nope, you missed. Do it again. Who's and this? I, What's his name? His name's Dan. Dan Cypher. Great guy. Great guy. And uh, it, it was weird because, yeah, I'm inflicting pain into my friend. But, you know, he, he was in pain for like, 30 seconds. And then he got up and he says like, Chase just kicked me in the balls. And I feel so good because it was, it was this weird moment of, I did it. Like nobody believed I could kick him in the balls, but here I am walking on two feet, no Walker, no cane. Uh, and I, it was hysterical, man. And it was in, it, it wasn't as crazy as the Rocky steps in terms of like feeling like I've achieved this insane goal, but, but it was a little lower than that, but I still, Still a huge moment in my life, I'd say. In five years, you'll be doing what? 
Well, uh, there's been some interest on a movie, so we'll see. Do you want to star in your own movie? No. Who do you want to have play you? Um, well, my ex, who we, we broke up in November, and then the injury happened in January, and then she didn't text or call me until May. Uh, so she was obsessed with Timothy Chalamet, so it would be nice if he played me in a movie out of pettiness. <laughs> when did she find out about the injury? My mom called her on like the second or third day. And she didn't contact you till when? May. Yeah. Wow. That's a that's a bitter breakup right there. It's tough. It's oh. tough. <laughs> I like I like the F U and and who you wanna who you wanna and, and you could pick out who plays her because she could be part of it. You could that would be great. She's not even in it. She She's not movie. even in it. She's not in it. No. It's gotta be a book, right? You write a book? You do the book and the movie? Uh if the movie uh starts moving forward uh I, i'll work on a book too i think you do do both do yeah. the book too do the, yeah. do, do the book just get a recorder and 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 do it um do you want to do the motivational speaker and tell the story or do you want to get you said you want to get back to your life do you want to get back to working in movies and tv um i mean yes and no i actually uh quit my job uh last yeah. month um because for, for a couple of reasons, first of all, I was at a point where I thought my recovery was mostly done. I was limping a little bit, but, um, that was kind of it. And then I went to Coachella where I walked 20,000 steps a day, seven miles a day. And the week after that, I walked better than I've ever walked. And I was like, Oh, I can still recover more Then the week after that. I regressed and got worse. And I was like, I can't be sitting at a desk from 9am right. to 7pm. Apart from that, the job, even even though it was my dream job, uh, the job is your life. There's no work-life balance. You're getting calls at all hours. And after everything I went through and realizing how much family and friends are important to me, like I want to spend more time with them and not be married to my job. So I left and I'm interviewing for tech sales jobs right now. And living where? And still living in LA. Okay. Yeah. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You, you talked about how, like, the, the time to think. What's the most bizarre thought you remember having? Doesn't have to be about not wanting to wake up. Doesn't want to be about recovery. There's just weird shit that goes in your mind when you're left time to think. Any, anything come to mind? I'm not sure if this is the answer you're looking for, but since I had COVID and couldn't see anyone and I wanted to talk to people, I, um, I made a Tinder account where I just posted photos of me in the hospital, like with a neck brace and everything. And I, uh, just to mess with people. And I, my, my about my bio was, uh, recently paralyzed. My neck brace holds up to 150 pounds. Come and take a seat. (laughs) How many, how many likes did you get? So many. I got so many matches. I had the best conversations. They'd be like, what up? I'd be like, not me. My legs don't work. They'd be like, you have beautiful eyes. I'm like, thanks. Only working part of my body. Uh, It's just messing with just having such a good time. And the whole time I'm just like laying there using voice command. So I'm saying all this out loud. (laughs) I can't can't imagine if the nurse was sitting there having to do the voice command thing for you, right? Yeah, right. Sometimes I would have... Sometimes I'd have the nurses like help me with it. They they were so embarrassed. It was it was so funny, man. Only Comedy Central. You didn't get. Did you watch sports at all? Uh, yeah, actually, that was during um the playoffs, and I remember I had my buddy put in a parlay for me on uh Green Bay beating um the Rams at home. Yep, and the the Ravens. Yeah, no, the Bills beating the Ravens. And so Green Bay won. Then the Bills are up by one score. It's like the end, of, close to the end of the fourth quarter. The Ravens are slowly making it down. And I'm like, shit, they're going to score. It's going to go into overtime. Lamar throws it into the end zone. Bills catches it. Pick six, 99 yards. I was screaming so loud. All the nurses ran in like, what's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? I was like, I'm rich. I'm rich. <laughs> Great moment. How much did you win? Not that much. I probably put like 30 bucks down. I don't, I don't bet that much. Okay, uh, a random question. Um, how much did insurance cover of all this stuff? Luckily, like the entire thing. Um, I had to pay for like uh, my shower chair. Um, but the rehab center, if I remember right, like it's actually like $7,000 a day to stay there. So luckily I had good insurance and they covered the entire thing. It's amazing. Um, what's it like when you see people that are still paralyzed? Because I, I think part of your recovery was obviously your mentality and your work ethic, but part of it's also like, look, there's just some injuries that people can't come back from mm-hmm. for somebody who has been in that position. Now you see somebody who's in that position. What is it like for you? It's so since of all this, like online presence has been happening. Like I've had a lot of people reach out to me for help and seeing like a 16 year old who just dove into shallow water. And it, 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 it's so painful because I know what they're about to go through and as much as advice and help I can give them, the likelihood of them recovering is, is really low. So what I try to do is just tell them the mindset that I had. And cause, cause I, I don't, I'm not a doctor. I don't know if they're going to recover or not, but I tell them what I did and it usually does, you know, help them mentally the, the way I explained to you, like 
no matter how much you are going to recover, you want to push yourself as hard as you can these next six months because you want to get yourself as good as you can possibly get for the rest of your life. And, you know, I try my best to help them, but it, it, it is really difficult to do sometimes. Well, have you, have you thought about, do you need therapy for it? Because there's still like, gotta be like PTSD on some level, right? Yeah. I actually had a PTSD one time during therapy. Uh, when I was in the hospital, we practiced getting up from the ground. So I, I lay on this mat and they're like, try to get up. And it was the exact same position I was in when I initially fell. And I just started hyperventilating and my, it, it was, it was really scary. And luckily that hasn't happened again, but, uh, yeah, sorry. What was the question again? That's it. That's it. Well, yeah. you, now have you thought about that? Do you need therapy for it? Oh, know? right. I, I went, um, part of the rehab was I saw a therapist at that point. I didn't really need one cause I was so locked in mentally. Yeah. And when I came back, I didn't need one. But right now, I, I think I might go see someone because it's I, I'm in a weird place right now because the mentally I, I was I was in, you know, when you play a sport, you get in the zone sometimes. Yeah. I was in the zone for like three months straight. Now you're like, like, now, you're like now what? Now, you're like, now, now what? exactly. Now, like my life has gotten back to normal. And now I'm thinking about the things I went through and the stuff I still have to deal with today. Like, I'm not perfect. And yeah, I might I might go see someone soon. Well, see, I think. I think your story or your message is the take take every win, right? Mm -hmm. That's an amazing thought, right? That you just you just wiggled your thumb just that much, and that's like that's the mentality we should all have. Like we all get caught up in the big wins. I don't know the little wins, and you stacking up little wins up, and then the big wins happen. That's yeah. an amazing mental amazing way of looking at it. Obviously, it's the only way you could look at it. Yeah, it's an amazing way of translating to the rest of life. It does. And specifically in, in my situation, it, it was so important to do that because if you only wait for big wins, it's, it's not going to happen. You need the little win to fire you up, to push it to the next one. You can't just right. like, there was someone in therapy that he would have these little wins and we, had, the rest of us had to like explain to him, like, this is a good thing. Every, and everything was never good enough. And his recovery was, you know, slower than most, maybe because of that. Chase, I can't tell you how amazing your story is to me. Um, just to, like, I remember this is my, uh, my dad was a coach at Long Beach State. And I remember distinctly, like, they played UCLA in football. Long Beach State used to have a football team. They played UCLA. And my dad had just got become an assistant coach. We just moved out to Southern California. I was like six, seven years old. Went to the Rose Bowl. And a kid got paralyzed. And he's since died. Uh, there's like a school, there's elementary schools named after him, whatever. But like everybody remembers that one moment or heck we're watching tonight, right? You watch Tua go down, right? Yeah. That's that not was, a moment for you, right? That when was tough because I saw, I saw his hands and in the early days, I, when I would have muscle spasms in my hands, they would do the same thing. So initially I was like, I hope he doesn't have a spinal cord injury. They said he's, you know, moving like all of his extremities now. So Luckily, it seems like it's not as bad as what I had, but that was a very scary image for me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I can, I can only imagine. And, you know, everybody says they'll walk again, but you actually have. And the speed of your recovery is remarkable. And 
the use of social media and the rocky steps and all of that stuff that you, you got a fan in me and I'm sure you got a fan in anybody who listens to it. Um, look, man, if you ever want to just talk sports, you're welcome on the, on the live radio show. We can do that. Uh, cause I know sometimes you get in a bad place. You just want to talk about something other than what everybody wants to talk about. And but I, do, I do appreciate you going back down this road for me. It really, it really means a lot. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Chase was awesome. And uh, we'll be in touch, okay? Great. A reminder, you can check out the Doug Gottlieb Show uh, uh, podcast, which is daily, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 3 Pacific. Uh, remember, the last hour is pod only, so we take a couple more chances, a little bit more fun. Language changes a little bit as well. You can listen to the Doug Gottlieb Show daily on Fox Sports Radio, the iHeartRadio app. I'm told at some point, SiriusXM, we're coming back online there. I'll get you the channel next time it's appropriate. But in the meantime, thanks so much to Chase Friedman for sharing his story. I hope you took that nugget of just celebrate any little win per day. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.